everyone, my name is Rachel and I'm going to share today's teaching text with you all. Firstly, in Matthew 5 verses 13 to 15 it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And then secondly, in Acts 2 verses 42 to 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Fantastic. Well, it's so good to be in church today. And a few things to celebrate. The first thing I'm going to celebrate this morning is Chrysula, who has been on the roving camera taking shots of the guitar player, the piano player's hands, and other things. It's her 18th birthday today. So happy birthday, Chrysula, today. And um, as, uh, as was said earlier in our service today, we are celebrating today that uh, for the first time in 16, 15, 16 months, all of our five physical campuses are meeting today somewhere physically. So that's so good. And Derby are back um, for the first time. And again, we, this uh, Sunday is welcome lunches. We've got over 30 people coming to welcome lunches in four of those campuses. And uh, Derby are going to do this, because this is their first Sunday bike, they're going to do those in a few weeks' time. So I'm so thrilled and excited about that, aren't you? That's so good. But I love God's Word, and I think uh, when we prepare our hearts for God's Word, it has the opportunity to transform us. And I'm believing for that for us as individuals and for us as a church today. So we're on our City on a Hill series, and this is part... Two, and I, I do believe that our world is in desperate need for the church to shine. And I do believe that God wants us to awaken to the call to be the city on a hill. Last week I started by sharing that I, uh, in 84, 85, I went to Bible college and I was residential. And I loved the common room debates. And the number one debate in the common room was that, that time was around the, the question, can a Christian lose their salvation once they've come to know Jesus and become a Christian? Can they lose that salvation? But I wonder if anyone can guess what the number two, on the top ten of debates, what number two was on the top ten of debates. Come on, shout it out. Put it in the chat. If you're in the chat, if you're watching online, if you're in the campuses, come on, Derby, Rotherham, Sheffield, Stocksbridge, shout it out. Yeah, I can hear Derby's got it right this morning. The number two was the end times. People love to talk about the end times and what was going to happen. It's called eschatology theologically, and it was fascinating. Those debates were fascinating, and they got really hot at times. They really did. You know, questions like, will Jesus come back in my lifetime? Are we right now in the last days? 
is going, God going to come back and judge the world? A big question was this, who is the Antichrist? Who's this Antichrist figure that the New Testament talks about? Many people speculated he or she must be alive now. Spooky. Must be alive now. And Who is it? In fact, um, around that time, I can remember thinking back, there was a prophecy that the Antichrist would have like a mark on their head. So when Mikhail Gorbachev, here's a picture of him, became the prime minister of the Soviet Union, and he had that uh, mark on his head and looked like that, people said the Antichrist is in place. He's now in place for the end of the world is near. I often wondered, as you know, American, English, Christians, we said things like that. I wondered if Russian Christians looked at one of our people and said the Antichrist is in place. Because we've, we've had a few contenders, I would suggest. And even recently, maybe. Well, there were all kinds of conspiracy theories around. And that fascination wasn't just in Bible colleges. It was in churches, too. It was a big thing. Some of the most popular Christian books of the time were a series of books called the Left Behind series of books and films about what would happen when Jesus would appear in the, the air and the church would be raptured to heaven and, and the, the earth left to destroy itself kind of theology. And then there was this, the barcode. Uh, can you remember the introduction of the barcode? And, uh, and somehow, some kind of conspiracy theology, we'll call it not a theory, a theology, that these three long strands of the barcode, which don't have a number underneath them, are actually sixes. Six, six, six. And so the barcode was now the mark of the Antichrist. It's since been refuted, obviously. And, and if you missed all of that... You were blessed. But I was reminded about it this week. I was reminded about it, not because people talked to me about it this week, but I was uh, talking to a young couple who I'm doing some mentoring with in another city, and uh, they were referring back to something I taught them in sort of Bible college, Bible school. And they said, Paul, you were always used to teach us that the world may get darker but the church will shine brighter and brighter. I believe that, that the church will be a city on a hill. And Jesus, in these verses, says that to the disciples. You are a city on a hill, and, and you're salt, and salt has got to be salty. And you are light, and light has got to shine bright. And so last week, we talked about a city on a hill and the priority of salvation, of being a place of rescue and being a place of salvation and what salvation was. And this week, I want to talk about presence, that actually God wants you and me and us all together as the church to be a kingdom presence in the world right here, right now. See, much of the debate and teaching around the end times was this hope of escape, that we would be whisked off to this eternal joy as place in heaven while the world was left to its chaos and its destruction. That was kind of the idea. But we would enjoy joy and peace in God's presence for eternity. It was like I'm a Christian. Get me out of here. I need to escape. But God will not leave this world behind. 
God will not leave this world behind. His purpose is to saturate the world with his presence. And the way he does that is through you and me and through his people, through his church, through us together being a city on a hill. You know, much of that escapism was the result of believing the wrong gospel or what we called last week the incomplete gospel. Let me just remind you of those two gospel pictures that I shared last week. This top one was kind of the view, the modern view of the gospel that here we are, here am I on earth, there I am, little stick man, and I'm confronted with Jesus. Jesus came, he died for my sins. What will I do with him? And that question, if I say yes to Jesus, it gives me this ticket, this password into heaven. Maybe because I've prayed a prayer, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins, or I've believed certain things. Now I've got my ticket and I'm waiting for death so that I can be in heaven for all eternity, or I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. But the biblical view of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is yes, here I am on earth in a fallen space, but not only am I here on earth and I get to this question, what will I do with Jesus? Will I follow him? And if I say yes, but when I say yes to Jesus, I'm baptized into this community of people called the church, the community of Jesus followers. And our purpose is to bring heaven to earth now and to get the hell out of here. And we will enjoy that heaven and uh, uh, that heaven for all of eternity. You see, that purpose was missing in that first gospel. So we just wanted to escape. And it was entirely me-centered. It was focused on me being saved, me going to heaven, rather than us being a city on a hill bringing heaven to earth right now. And the world has followed suit. The world has followed suit with this me-centeredness. We've created the iWorld, haven't we? I've got an iPad. I've got an iPhone. We used to have something called an iTouch. And those things are indicative in their naming of the world we now live in, where the individual is king. The 20th century saw a massive shift in our world from community-based living to me-centered living. This was driven by the sexual revolution and uh, where pleasure, pleasure, my pleasure became the king and the individual and my thoughts, my happiness, my emotion uh, became the primary focus of human life and the pursuit of happiness became the reason for our existence. And so since that time, Project Self has been going full steam ahead. But the results are now coming in, and they're not good. We're finding that there is a disease, an illness that is in our world because of it. We're seeing incredible instability in the lives of people. We're seeing loneliness, the loss of freedom, and also massive confusion over identity as a result of this I world we've created. You see, loneliness is a pandemic, and um, our government does not have a vaccine to cure us from this pandemic. BBC Radio 4 surveyed 55,000 people, and they discovered this. 16 to 24-year-olds experience more loneliness 
and greater intensity of loneliness than any other age group. Just think about that. That's an age group that's more connected, you would think, than ever, but they experience more loneliness than any other age group. 40% responded to the survey saying they felt lonely often or very often. Compare that with 29% of 65 to 74-year-olds, or 27%, sorry, 27% of 75-year-olds plus, who you think would feel the most loneliness. I also said that part of this illness is that we're less free. And you might say, Paul, we're not less free. We've got more choice than ever. Just look at the supermarket. We can get food from, from wherever. And actually, everywhere, there's more choice. We travel. We move around. We do so many things. But we have become, in this I world, prisoners to our emotions. The mood of the day determines if I'll do or not do something. Even when I know that something is right or it's good for me, I may not do it because I don't feel like doing it. Mood has become king. And mood does not just affect our actions in the I world. It determines who I think I am. I think when we look to our emotions for our identity and our emotions that to determine who I think I am, I think we may be looking in the wrong place. So we've got a problem in our world. It's huge. And once again, we're seeing that humans, with all our technical advances, with all the intelligence that God has given us, that humans, our ideas, our philosophies, when they're created without God, do not lead to human flourishing. But God will not abandon this world. God will not abandon this world. Maybe we've got more cause than ever today to say, come Lord Jesus, get us out of here. But God will not abandon this world. You see, into the midst of all of this, Jesus has already announced 2,000 years ago in Mark 1.15, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And he says to Peter, when he's when Peter is asked the question, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He says to Peter, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the plans, the gates of Hades. Hell will not overcome it. His kingdom, the time has come. The kingdom of God is here. And his church is his plan. His kingdom The Greek word for church is ekklesia, which means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into a public space. Worth being the church today. Gathered into a public space, an assembly, a gathering together, a community. And could it be that God's answer to our world has always been his people? It's always been the church. And that he has no plan B. And it still is his plan, and it still is his answer right now in this moment. And I believe that in this moment, God is calling us again to recognize and refire the vision to be a city on a hill that shines bright and that salt that does not lose its saltiness. And today I want to put those two scriptures together, Mark 1.15 and Matthew 16, and say that we are called to be in this world a kingdom presence, a kingdom presence community. In contrast to the challenges 
seen in our society. I believe that when we're a kingdom presence, we find stability and not instability. We find intimacy, relationship, friendship, and belonging, and not loneliness. We find true freedom, and not freedom that is curtailed by our emotions and our moods. And we find clarity about our identity, who we are, and not confusion about our identity. Erwin McManus said this, While never violating our uniqueness, we move together, united in heart and soul. Our greatness is unleashed in the context of community. When we move together, God is most perfectly revealed in us. How good is that? God's design is that we, together, the church, are the city on a hill, and we're the light to the world. And we can only be that together. But together, we can be that. We can be a kingdom presence. And we see it in these verses, in these verses that Rachel read for us in Acts chapter 2, where the church is beginning to grow and the church is beginning to live together as a community of believers. Let me read a few of those verses again. Acts 2, 43 to 46, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I mean, let's remember today the backdrop for this church becoming that church was not favorable. They were living in difficult times, persecution, oppression, all kinds of things happening to the church. Even one of the great church planters, Paul, started out as somebody who, whose purpose and desire was to kill Christians. It was a hotbed of persecution they lived in. There were antichrist figures alive and well back then, emperors like Nero, who were not pro-Christian in any way at all. But the church thrived. And isn't it amazing that still today, in 2021, the church is alive and well? But not only that, the church is thriving in some of the most persecuted parts of the world. I don't know if you know this, but the fastest growing churches today are in Iran. Today, the church is growing fastest in the country of Iran. Oddly favorable conditions. And what about China? Official figures. These are official figures on the number of Christians. 50 years ago, the official figures say that there were 2 million Christians in China. 10 years ago, the official figures say that there were 22 million Christians in China. Two years ago, the official figures said that there were 38 million Christians in China. Look at that growth. But they're the official figures. They only count the churches that are allowed to exist. It's, those numbers do not count house churches. And the estimate is that there could be a further 100 million Christians today, uncounted followers of Jesus, meeting in unofficial churches where pastors are often taken off and put into prison and it's, it's never revealed. But we, they, are here to be a kingdom presence in this world 
bringing heaven to earth. So I just want to share very briefly three things from these verses about being a kingdom presence with us this morning. And my prayer is that this will cause us to see and have a revelation of who God wants us to be, whether individually but also together as the church. So here's the first thing. A kingdom presence exhibits the Spirit's power. The verses that I just read, it says that everyone was filled with awe. I love that. The people said, this is awesome. They were obviously Australians. <laughs> it, it actually reminds me of Jacob in the Old Testament. I don't know if you can remember Jacob, that key character in the Old Testament. And uh, Jacob has a dream. And in this dream, he sees the angels of God uh, ascending and descending. And it's, it's almost like heaven is ho- open. And he can see this spiritual activity. And when he wakes up from his dream, he says this in Genesis 28, verses 16 and 17. He says, surely... The Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? There he is. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is, he called that place Bethel, actually, renamed it because Bethel means house of God, and and he called that place Bethel. But the early Christians were filled with that same sense of awe. This is God's house. This is God's place. They had that same wonder. They had that childlike wow about the kingdom of God. And the scriptures go on. They renore at many signs and wonders that were done by the apostles. You see, the kingdom presence exhibits the Spirit's power. That when we embrace that wonder and awe that God is here and he's with us and he's amongst us and he's calling us to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. We can anticipate the Spirit's power amongst us. I was thinking about Icon Church and, well, maybe we could... I was thinking of the stories over our history. I was so glad this morning I jumped on Icon Church Online. I want to say a big shout out to Glenis. And I noticed that Glenis was on uh, Church Online. She's normally on the 915 service online every week. And Glenis was, joined this church like before it started almost. But our church started with a miracle. Glennis was healed with arthritis, arthritis that she'd suffered with. She was under the hospital for, and, um, <clears throat> and the doctors, and had to have medication and injections for, and she'd suffered for 16 years with that, and she was healed in a moment, and that church started with that. We've seen, I was just thinking over the years, we've seen people actually go into hospital, we've seen this, I can recall two times, go into hospital for an operation, and they get on the operation table, but because we prayed, they're turned around and sent home. We've seen that a couple of times. We've seen people come miraculously out of comas. What about Craig Wells' story that's already been mentioned this morning? Craig Wells, and that's a recent one, you know, through COVID, and just the turnaround and the miraculous salvation of God in that moment. You see, the church that's a kingdom presence that's saying, your kingdom come, will experience and can expect the Spirit's power. And I was just reflecting this week as I was preparing. There have been so many over the years, and it continues. And, And we must never stop 
being in awe. And we must never stop that childlike wow, that childlike wonder, and saying, this is none other than the house of God. I was thinking about miraculous answers to prayer in connect groups, and we heard one recently uh, from one of the connect groups how they were praying for you know, uh, a person who had trouble with their eyes, and, and, it, and, and there'd been improvement, and it looked like um, you know, that there was improvement going forward, and then things seemed to get worse. But the, what had got worse was the eyes had got better, and now the person didn't need the glasses because of the miraculous power of God. You know, I, like, uh, if you're like me, you might want to pray for that miracle too as well. We've seen family members saved miraculously. People who thought this family member would never get saved. I'm stood on a stage today and right under my feet is a bowl with loads of names in from a time when we had a prayer meeting years ago. I think maybe even 10, 12 years ago. And we we put some names and many of those names, those people over those years have become Christians. And we love to do that in Icon Church from time to time. You see... I want to say today, God isn't finished. God will not abandon this world. And if there's a people who will believe and trust him and believe that we can be a kingdom presence in the world, he he will bring healing. He will bring freedom. He will bring salvation into the lives of people. We've seen whole families come to faith in Christ. You see, a kingdom presence is where God exhibits the Spirit's power. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were done by the apostles. The second thing is a kingdom presence extends the Father's care. Don't you love the fact that when Jesus talked about God, he talked about God as Father? Not just as King, as Lord, as Yahweh, as Creator, as Judge, but he introduces God to us as Father. And it says this in those verses. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to people, anyone who had need. And there, those believers, that kingdom presence is extending the care, the welcome of the Father. Hospitality, care, provision, prayer. You see, because I've talked about the miraculous But our prayers are not always answered the way we want. Not every person gets healed. Not every person gets saved. We believe for it, but people still face loss and chaos. Some are not healed. Some relationships don't mend. But in the kingdom community, in the kingdom of God's presence, there's wraparound care That's the extension of the care of the Father. There's an attitude where we're stood waiting for the prodigal to come home, even though they're living as wildly as they can possibly live. The door is open. The place is ready. The feast is on tap for the people who want to come home. You see, that care reminds people that they're loved by God and that they're held by God. And that care reminds people that however far they run, God is running with them. That there's nowhere. And that care comes from us. The church that judges and and becomes hostile to people, 
That's not an expression of the Father's love. But the care that loves is an expression, an extension of the love of the Father that says you're welcome home whenever you want to come. You are welcome here. You're welcome home. And the church extending the Father's care lets people belong. It actually includes people and says you belong, even when they don't want to. Some of us have got kids, and they don't want to be part of the community, but they are. They're still our children. We still love them. We're still those fathers. We're waiting at the bottom of the the driveway to see them home. You see, that kingdom presence gives people time to heal. It gives people time to be restored, and it gives people a place to be rescued from whatever. It's a family of believers. I love this, this great picture. It's written in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Write about it in the New Testament. Teach, Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching in a house. The house is packed full of people, and Jesus is teaching in a house, and someone rushes in and says to Jesus, oh, oh, Jesus, your mother, your brothers, and sisters are outside. Let me just say that again. Your mother, your brothers, and sisters are outside. And he points his, his disciples, who are actually a company of men and, and women at that moment. And they're listening to his teaching. And he says, here are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You see, the most common language in the New Testament church, for the church, sorry, in the New Testament for the church is Family. That's the most common language. It's not soldiers, it's not army, it's actually brothers and sisters. That we're family first. And this matters because whatever my views on any given subject are, and whatever your views on any given subject are, I owe you a debt of love. Because you're my mother, my brother, my sister. I owe you that. We're family first. It matters because when our emotions play tricks with our heart, when we're plagued by mistakes or sins or failures, when I feel a favor, when I can't shake off shame, when my life is riddled with guilt, I still belong somewhere. I'm still part of a family. And I have a family that reminds me that my identity is not in what I feel. My identity is that I'm a child of God. I am who God says I am. I am who you say that I am. We're a kingdom presence here on earth, and we extend the Father's care. We extend heaven's welcome mat to all humanity. We're a city on a hill. Are we ready to be that? I want us to be ready in every campus. In Chesterfield, in Sheffield, in Derby, in Rotherham, in Stocksbridge. I want us to be ready to be that city on a hill. I've got a vision of our doors flinging wide open. And there being no restriction on that. And then the last thing, the third thing. A kingdom presence exalts Jesus. The worship team going to come back. It says in those verses, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Every day they met in the temple course. They met, they gathered, the church, the ecclesia, 
A people called out from their homes, gathered for a purpose. They met. They met to worship, to lift up Jesus. And they worshipped by breaking bread. They turned ordinary meal times into times of worship. They were a city on a hill. Their tables were open. Bring your friends, bring your family as we worship Jesus. And they remembered Jesus. Luke 22, 19 and 20 said, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them. And he gave it to them and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, I know you've been wondering, why has he got a bottle of wine on the stage? It's because I've had a bad week. (laughs) No, it's not. It's to remember today. And he took the cup saying, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You see the kingdom presence, the kingdom community exalts Jesus. And we remember in the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine, we remember that Jesus is the king of this kingdom. It's not my kingdom. It's not my empire. He's the king of the kingdom. We remember that we've been invited to live under his reign and his lordship. Uh, He invites us to make him lord. We remember that we're not called to live in project self, but to live for a greater purpose. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We take bread. And as we take bread, we confess our need of a savior. We, we, con- we, take, we confess our need of heavenly food, he- heavenly sustenance in our lives. And we confess his wash- lordship. And we drink wine which is representative of his blood shed for us. And as we drink wine, we declare his victory, that his blood shed brought victory over sin, that brought victory over Satan, that brought victory over death, brought victory over hell. And as we do that, together, we declare our unity, that we are one body in Christ Jesus, one body, And when we all eat, I get get the symbolism of this and the power of this. When we all eat together, we together are filled with the presence of Jesus. That's the symbolism and the power of this. That God's kingdom presence is here now, today. That the kingdom of God is amongst us. We can feel it. I hope you felt it today that we can touch it, that we can be a part of it, that we belong in that kingdom community, that kingdom presence. Another quote from Erwin McManus. So what is the good news? Well, the refined and civilized version goes something like this. Jesus died and rose from the dead so that you you can live a life of endless comfort security and indulgence but really this is a bit too developed usually it's more like this if you simply confess that you're a sinner and believe in Jesus you'll be saved from the torment of eternal hellfire 
and then go to heaven when you die. Either case, he says, results in our domestication. One holds out for a life to begin in eternity and the other makes a mockery out of this life. The call of Jesus is far more barbaric than either of these. It's a call to live in this world as citizens of an entirely different kingdom. In its primitive state, the good news could never be separated from the invitation of Jesus to come follow me. He never lied about the dangers or the cost associated with becoming his followers. He told them up front, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. I want to pray as I close because I believe today God wants to refire our vision for us to be that kingdom presence in the world. I believe today that God wants to remove doubt or cynicism where the enemy would often try and convince us it's not possible. Our world is too dark or our world is now too complex or it's too difficult. And How do we respond to all these modern complexities and these modern ideas? How do we respond to that? There's always new things coming up that seem to contradict the gospel of Jesus. I believe God wants to remove the doubt from us today and the cynicism from us today and for us to believe that he's got a plan he's always had a plan and that he will not abandon this world I believe today that God wants to lift off of us any um, dulled sense of awe that has come upon us maybe or burden that we're carrying and, and, and a dulled sense of wonder and wow and awe at God because God is reminding of us our purpose that our purpose is not project self but your kingdom come your will be done and he's inviting us again today to lay our lives down to submit to his lordship and together to be a kingdom presence in the world why don't we all stand as I pray for us come Holy Spirit Come Holy Spirit, as we've listened, Father, to your word today. Do something in our hearts. Lift off of our burdens. Refuel us and refire us with a passion for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. I want to pray specifically, Lord, today about some of the things I've mentioned. Father God, today, I want to pray today for some of our own children who are not walking with you today. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Fling open the doors. I pray, God, and Holy Spirit, move in their lives. Speak to them. We, we know that you are. But I pray that you will do whatever's necessary to make that ground, fertile ground for your word and for your kingdom. I've also mentioned healing today and I want to pray God where people need healing today people need rescue Father God in their lives I pray for healing in the name of Jesus across all of our campuses Father God there were people who need a touch from you today and I pray for the healing power of Jesus the Spirit's presence and power to touch people's lives today in Jesus name and I pray together like never before. We thank you for all you've done. But like never before, make us that kingdom presence in this world, 
in Jesus' name. And all the church said, Amen. Let's worship together.